and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where two people who are not studying for their nursing program, nor would they ever be studying for a nursing program. Why is she bringing up nursing? If you are studying for your nursing program, you should tune out because this isn't for you. Um, or, you know, maybe it is. Maybe you need a break from your nursing program. And quite frankly, we're here to help. I'm Teresa. I'm Andy. I don't know why nursing program. This is what you get. Nobody I know is in the nursing program. I don't know anybody either. They've all graduated from it. Right? Same. <laughs> so that is what it is. What are you going to do? Uh, not take nursing classes since I'm not in the program. Apparently. Well, I, for like 10 minutes once, I, I thought about doing that program. And then I realized it's going to be me that puts the wrong medication somewhere. I would rather uh- not. I thought about it long enough to realize that they come in contact with all of the bodily fluids, all of them. And sometimes all at once. Yeah. And I mean, while I admit that they are the ones that are really in charge of, you know, keeping people alive and keeping people comfortable, doctors do their bit, but nurses are the ones, they're the front line. Yeah. I just, no, no, not for the glory. I... I could not agree with you more. When I told Ian that that's what I wanted to do, his response was, "Um, babe, you understand two things, right? That to be a nurse, you have to be able to insert an IV. And two, even if you weren't like a triage nurse in the ER or something like that, you couldn't work in labor and delivery. Because that would be heartbreaking for you. And you couldn't work like on the cancer ward because that would also be heartbreaking for you. So all you have left is like long-term care. And I'm going to tell you what, I am not going to emotionally be able to deal with the amount of times that you fall in love with some cute little old man. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, that's actually super fair. It kind of had me at the, you're going to have to put an IV in. Yeah. You know, and that like brings up, there was one time uh, when I was a kid, I had, you know, childhood asthma and I got rushed to the ER and they go to put an IV in and the IV means you're, you're going to be there a minute. Mm-hmm. And I don't like needles. I don't there. I, and so I'm doing my best to try to stay calm because I know if you get worked up, it makes the asthma attack worse, the whole nine yards. And I just keep thinking there's something wrong. There's something wrong. And I look down and my arm is swelling. Oh, and I was gosh. like, it's in your head. It's in your head. This How old do you think you were? 10. No, 11. You know, so, you know, but I'm like, this is all in your head. It's all in your head. My arm's getting bigger and bigger and it hurts. You're you're just panicking, Teresa. Your arm is not getting bigger. And the tears are rolling down my face. So I've got the nebulizer in my mouth. And the nurse comes in. My grandmother is ignoring me. Like on the other side of the room, just doing whatever because she wasn't on her phone because it wasn't that time. But I mean, same whatever grandmas do. Same Reading mentality. Magazine. Yeah, like <laughs> I was clearly not in in any distress as far as she was concerned. The nurse comes in, looks at my arm, realizes that she'd missed the vein and had been filling my arm up with I- IV solution. Oh, that would have ruined me for the rest. I would. I've <laughs> never. <laughs> Oh, but it was, 
it was kind of comforting to know that it was indeed not in my head. <laughs> you are, in fact, not crazy. <laughs> yeah, my arm is, in fact, inflating like a balloon before my very eyes. Oh, okay. So my arm didn't swell up. Not nearly as like scary. Or uh, how do you even deal with that? How do you get that out of your? You don't. You let your body absorb it. So it's there until Ugh. it's not there. I hate that for you. It's not like you can just pop it like a pimple and watch this I, well, geyser I mean, erupt from your arm. <laughs> That's kind of what I was wondering. But then I was like, oh, I wonder if maybe they just like, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> um, reverse like... it out yeah yeah hook right? up a, an empty bag and then just you know <laughs> suck no, it out no yeah no that didn't happen to me but what did happen to me is when i was 13 i was 13 we were trying i was in the hospital here and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me so they transferred me to um uc, da- UC davis uc davis or oakland children hospital one of the two i can't remember right. which one and um on the for whatever reason they did not remove the IV on the way there but there was nothing attached to it okay yeah it you just, just had the port yeah yeah and um i remember thinking like halfway there that i am pretty sure the needle that is sitting in my arm is not sitting in my arm anymore i don't like this new yeah. subject please i nope and I, it didn't turn out to be anything like gruesome or bad, but when we got to the to the next hospital and like the nurse is checking you in, uh huh, she puts me up to the IV, gets me all sorted. No, I don't like this. It's just all over my arm. I don't like this, Angie. Yeah, it was gnarly, but it wasn't like it wasn't like, gruesome. I'm saying scary, everything, but gross. Chrissy, wake up. <laughs> yeah, it no, it wasn't anything like that. It was just. All of a sudden, my arm was very cold, and I was like, oh, that's why. That's um, Perhaps you should put that back. Put that thing back where it came from. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you understand. I don't like this. <laughs> Do you remember that time? No. The story about a dog and a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had the audacity to eat a snack <laughs> afterwards. Do you remember that? I mean... It's it's kind of funny that you bring that up because <laughs> I don't want it up. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, my story doesn't go back to Terrari, but my my story um does harken back to episode one. Okay. okay. Do you remember what episode one was? Um, I am well. Okay, the the actual episode one, not one of the the lost episodes. Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Okay, episode one, your story was Mother Shifted. Okay. Do you remember the story I told to pair with that? It's not about food. No. No, hit me with it. So it was when I told you the story of the African samurai. Oh, okay. You know what? In my mind, I was thinking it's the samurai. But then I was like, no, no, no. That was like five stories later. Right. Well, I mean, but like, okay, so it touches on that. And then I realized like, oh my gosh, like when I was reading like all of the backgrounds, I was like, oh my gosh, this. And I was like, oh no, I, I intentionally stripped a ton of names out so that you would be able to follow along. From the African Samurai story. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so the African Samurai story, I really only had like, like three, four names in there as opposed to being like, and then this line, and then this line, and then this line, you know, cause you'd been like, I'm, I need a I map. Need you draw me a map. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm going to need break out the Barbie dolls. We're going to need to label each one with name tags. <laughs> okay. Barbie is not at all where I saw that going. I thought you were going to say whiteboard and that made sense, but Barbie is so much better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so the Teresa doll is going to be the African samurai. And then the Ken doll <laughs> is going to be Nobunaga. And that is exactly what I, I need them all to have. Like you have done their hair. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And tried to come up with the, the closest matching sundress to the vibe. The vibe. Yeah. I got to I got to set the vibe. Um, but I, I really only have it like a little bit of a minor touchstone here. So I'm going to tell you about somebody you might have heard, but you probably won't be able to recall. I love this. Musashi Miyamoto. Miyamoto. He is not the one. No, just go. Just go. I'm excited. Just, no, no. I want to hear. Just just spit it out. What do you got? He wasn't the one that was in. It's like it's like the other fort, right? Where there's like 30 guys and um, the African samurai comes in and he's like, actually, no, this is mine now. Wasn't so, that guy, right? No, the African samurai. Um, so, okay. So I'll, I'll get, I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Like, okay. I, cause I, I, I made sure to like include a note of like, Hey, this is the touch point, And then this is how this would work. And so later on okay. I can be like, Oh yeah. Um, okay. But my sources, um, there is a website, katanas-samurai.com. They have one on Musashi Miyamoto sword encyclopedia.com has a, another article. Um, there's a book called The Lone Samurai by William Scott Wilson that I refer back to. And then I had to use Wikipedia to make sure I had things in order because some of the histories were a bit convoluted. I'm telling um, you, man, Wikipedia is the best timeline. It just like, you know, <laughs> lays it out. Sometimes it's a bit dry, but, you know, it, it, it does yeah. help organize. Okay, so. Dry is a perfect way to word that. <laughs> yeah, you know. And bless the editors for, of Wikipedia who are just like, no, no. You need a citation here, so we're going to delete that on your behalf. Thank you for not saving. <laughs> um, so it is 1584. Musashi's born in the Harima or Mimasaka province. And I had to look this up. So like a lot of this is going to happen um, southeast of like Kyoto kind of area. Okay. All right. Um, so Musashi, he starts his sword training in the Okayama prefecture and his father and teacher is a man named Munisai and he is an unmatched samurai like Munisai is like the pinnacle like if you want to train you know this like dude that is your samurai trainer gotcha right um small small problem when Musashi is seven years old his dad's killed in a duel oh but the takeaway is he had been actively training prior to the age of seven. Okay. So, okay. I mean, that is that is my takeaway from that. Two years old, got a sword in his hand. I mean, who who needs to walk or potty train when you can swing a sharp blade? Yeah, I will not potty train, thank you so much. Right? Yeah, you know <laughs> what? You just sit there in your filth, good sir, young master. <laughs> yeah, please and thank you. Um. So he ends up, I don't know what happens to mom because she's not mentioned in the histories. Cause again, this is the late 1500s. Uh, he goes to a monastery to be raised by his uncle and Musashi 
takes advantage of his forced stay and trains with the katana and enters into his first duel at want to make a guess Nine. and it's okay so you, you came at it a bit harder um 13 <laughs> but he's well 14 he, was my first first guess but i was like no that's too easy it's got to be like nine <laughs> right well i mean he goes up against like someone like of note okay okay and so he wins because he goes up into the name arima arima yoshibe and He's introduced to Buddha and the Buddha teachings, yay, monastery, and his uncle. And he starts really going to town and winning several duels. Like, this is really just, like, cutting his teeth, coming of age sort of deal. Is he the the Cassius Clay of the East? Um, (laughs) no, no, no. Um, Okay. I mean... Does not have cannons surrounding his house? (laughs) No. I mean, you're going to be able to draw parallels, and you're going to make me want to eat these words since I say no. But... (laughs) I mean, no. Uncomfortable pause. (laughs) Quotes. No. No. (laughs) Okay. So like to give you kind of an idea, when we think about the brawl he gets, or the, I won't say brawl, the duel he gets into at 13, because brawl makes it sound a bit uncoordinated, a bit feral. But uh, (laughs) William Scott Wilson in his book, Alone Samurai, here's, here's a quote. In 1596, Musashi's 13, and Arima Kihei, who was traveling to hone his art, posted a public challenge in the Hirama, uh, Hirafukumura. So I don't know if that's a newspaper. I don't. I don't know what the the Hirafukumura was, but it so it is. Musashi wrote his name on the challenge. A messenger came to Doran's temple, where Musashi was staying, to inform Musashi that his duel had been accepted by Kihei. Doran, Musashi's uncle, was shocked by this and tried to beg off the duel in Musashi's name based on his nephew's age. Kihei was adamant that the only way his honor could be cleared was if Musashi apologized to him when the duel was scheduled. So when the time set for the duel to arrive, Doran began apologizing for Musashi, who merely charged at Kihei with a six-foot quarterstaff, shouting a challenge to Kihei. Kihei attacked with a wakizashi which is a type of sword but musashi with the six foot quarter staff shouting a challenge to Ki- oh. but musashi threw kihei to the floor and while kihei tried to get up musashi struck arima between the eyes and then beat him to death he had some pent up anger issues mm-hmm. arima was said to have been arrogant overly eager to battle and not a terribly talented swordsman but he was 13 and was willing to call Brosif out. That is uh that is um very American of him. I mean, it is very <laughs> Cassius Clay. It really is. So you can see why I'm like, no. Kinda they, I... really, they could be friends. Uh, or not. Yeah, I mean, overlap. The, yeah, it also has, I think we've we've mentioned this before it also has young d'artagnan vibes uh, i'll yeah. duel you at noon and you at one <laughs> well hold that thought because that that was gonna come up oh sorry <laughs> i mean heck of a transition but that's like several like that's that's a bit further down the timeline <laughs> so 
you know, like that's that that kind of, you know, is how we're going to cut our teeth on young Musashi. So Musashi Mimoto, he ends up having eczema and he's he's got it from an early age and it leaves him with large scars on his face, which he, apparently he has throughout his entire life. And for this reason, it said he doesn't look like the other samurai of the time. Well, that checks. Right. And so when we see like illustrations or paintings of him, it shows him without the only having the samurai hair. You, you know what I'm talking about with the, the you know, it, yeah. the top knot. Um, and the claim is that because of the eczema, he never shaves his hair or sports that hairstyle with the forelock. But Miyamoto Musashi is considered a giant for his time. He He's literally about six feet tall when most of his contemporaries Ooh. are five. So, you know, Musashi is super stinking tall. Yeah, like uh, beanstalk tall. Yeah, and another fun fact, there are several sources that say Musashi never took a bath in his life. Uh, did he showers <laughs> so he washes himself in the icy water of the torrents in order to work his mind but another story says that he never took a bath because he didn't want to be surprised unarmed oh i just shower with the sword i mean doesn't everybody look how you choose to exfoliate is on you <laughs> Yeah, it's a great shaver. I mean, yeah, honestly, silky smooth. He's exactly, and it explains the seven toes. <laughs> well, that was that time I dropped it. So, right. I mean, honestly, who among us hasn't dropped a razor in the shower? <laughs> it's the bane of my existence, right? <laughs> All right, but in basically, like. You know, he's got eczema, doesn't have the traditional haircut, a little bit of scarring on his face, and um, probably smells like a teenage boy. And is an entire foot taller than everyone else. Yeah, so he's he's distinguishable. Or distinguishable? And I wouldn't say distinguished, because that would imply... Yeah, distinguishable, I think, is what you're going for. Right. Yeah, distinguished would imply that granddad uh, walks with a cane that's topped with a diamond. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and people kind of are excited to see him as opposed to being yeah. like, oh. <laughs> the one that smells. Yeah, you, you smell him before you see him, but you definitely also see him well in advance. <laughs> yeah, so, you have time. Yeah, 1599, Musashi leaves his village around the age of 15. Although he could be 16, but either way, he's he's, you know, he's a young adult. He would still be reading in that young adult section of the library. Um, oh, my. You know, honestly, I've got books to ask you if you've read. But anyhow, that's that's a side note. Um, <laughs> but even though, like, remember, he's been living with his uncle in the monastery. As he's leaving, all of his family possessions, because he is the eldest son, um, like the furniture, the weapons, all the genealogy and all the records, he leaves with his sister and her husband. And decides he's going to spend his entire life traveling and engaging in duels. Because I'm here for it. honestly, you're 15. What do you care about furniture? Oh, and he's the oldest child? No, he's the oldest son because oh, of the, the oldest patriarchal son. lineage. 
Right. Okay. I so mean, when you said he's the, I heard the oldest, and then you said his sister, and in my mind, I was like, oh, he's the oldest child. Duh. But honestly, he <laughs> could still be. I didn't stop to see if, I mean, I don't even have his sister's name. I just know her husband was Hirado ya- yo- Yoemon. Yoemon. Okay. I just was curious. Like, I guess I was only curious because if he was the oldest and he was only 15, how old is she? I and mean, married. Right. Because- like, first off we're talking the turn of the 1600s you know what i mean like things were a bit different you know you didn't wait till you were 30 to have children a little bit you had 30 children by 30 i mean probably not all alive but yes yeah um so at age 17 or so he ends up participating in the battle of uh, shigigahara now this he does under the battle or under the banner of Tomatomi Hideyoshi. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, Toyotomi, he's he's in the Nobunaga story. And so I like searched my notes and I was like, oh, I didn't mention his name. I love that they're contemporaries. Right. But again, like, you know, we're talking like it was in the 1580s that we have the story of the African samurai and when Nobunaga falls. That's when the African samurai just wiped off the history. Right. And now um, we're, we're at 50, you said 1590? Uh, so yeah, 1599, oh, 1600. Okay, got it. Okay. So, I mean, this is, there are probably still stories of the African samurai being circled around, you know, fires and hearths and things like that. But uh, he's, he's long gone. Gotcha. Okay. Um, But that's when I was like, oh my gosh. So. I know that Toy- guy. Yeah. Like Toyotomi, he's. Again, I didn't mention him in episode one, but he was one of the um, retainers of Nobunaga. And so he, after Nobunaga falls, he becomes one of the more powerful men in Japan. Okay. So, but yeah, but again, had to double check because I was like, did I mention him? Because if I did, Angie will certainly remember it. And then she's going to call me out and I need to make sure I said it or I didn't. <laughs> but I, I wanted to give that you that on background. Me. Right. Like, I don't want to be like, hold, please. And like, you know, start scurrying through my notes like I'm some kind of library rat. (laughs) They're the best kind. I mean, there are worse. Although pizza rat, you know, the big Mm. New York rat. He's trying to feed his kids. Okay. Honestly, Splinters had a tough go (laughs) and give him his pizza. He's just (laughs) he's just trying to deal with people's yelling calabunga dudes at him. Um (laughs) So at age 21, he starts traveling across Japan because he wants to experience the samurai spirit and fight with the strongest warriors. But because he is a masterless samurai, he is a ronin. And the ronins, you know, they're said to be drifters. They're unemployed vagabonds. It is what it is. At age 21. Yeah, but I mean, like, he's still, like, pretty dang skilled with a sword and at 21 like my notes in here say i was still in college i wasn't even master of a hamster (laughs) yeah yeah i uh i can't say i had anything mastered by 21 right like i didn't even have pets i was like look i i can't be trusted to feed myself let alone another creature yeah i had a cat well done thank you (laughs) Well done. <laughs> so age, so it's it's also at, at 21, as he's leaving, he, he ends up going to Kyoto. Um, and Kyoto's the capital at the time. So this is the bustling metropolis of Japan. 
and he's eager to test his fight skills. And so he does what any of us would do. It's 1604. He heads to one of the most renowned schools, the one that's ran by the Yoshioka family. And their founder is a renowned duelist. So (laughs) he decides that he is going to challenge the school. Did I mention he's young, dumb, and 21? I just have this really stupid image of him standing in front of like your middle America middle school, just yelling at the school. I mean, so I would assume this is more of like a trade school. So this is like him standing in front of the welder department (laughs) of the community college. College. (laughs) Good luck, bro. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, pretty (laughs) much. Um, But, you know, challenging them to welding, obviously, you know, because if I'm at a welding school and someone's challenging me to a sword fight, I'm calling the cops. I have tools that could also solve this problem. Yeah. I got flamethrowers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, let Brosa fight this torch. Um, <laughs> so he, you know, he's at the school. The person who decides to answer his challenge is the head of the family, Seijiro. So Seijiro's armed with a real sword, while Musashi, he's got his hands on a wooden saber, a bokken. Oh my god, he did not plan well for this. No, he he brought a knife to a gunfight. Um, the, the fight only lasts a very short time, according to records, but Seijiro, the one with the sword, is the one who lost an arm in the duel and dies. Oh my god, not the way I thought that story was going to go. Same. <laughs> Same. Um, obviously, this earns him the hatred of the entire Yoshioka clan. In a second duel takes place against Seijiro's brother, Denshichiro. The fight was, once again, brief. Musashi broke Denshichiro's skull in the blink of an eye. Good God. Did I mention he doesn't even have an actual sword in his hands during this attack? No, he didn't win the other guy's sword? Yeah, I don't know if he won the other sword or not. That, you know, I... But like, either way, he's like fighting video with a game quest, you know, like I got like you like, pick like up Zelda. your opponent's weapon. Yeah. Like yeah. Link starts with a stick and then he gets a bigger stick and then he eventually gets a sword. Like, right. <laughs> you, you defeat this boss. You get the shield. You defeat that boss. Yeah. You get the headdress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But either way, this this doesn't necessarily win him any friends. And so he's challenged a third time to a duel against a guy named Matsushihiro. But Matsushihiro is still a child and takes the time to trap him, hoping that he's not going to be able to escape because mm. Matsushihiro is like, you know what? I'm I'm just a kid, so I don't I'm not going to fight fair. I've just watched you I, know, like, two, I can see what you can do. Yeah, two very formidable opponents die or get their butts handed to him with a wooden stick, basically. Um, so he takes this time to set up and plans this, this trap. Okay. Musashi ends up arriving early to the duel and he has time to see, you know, all of these people kind of clambering into place to, to trap him. Um, 
And th- this triggers, you know, this final attack because he's like, oh, what are what are you guys all doing? Scrambling with fishing nets and spears and you big silly grappling hooks. I mean, I don't know what they had, but, you know, um, Matashi, he, uh, he ends up dying and oh Musashi escapes the, the 80 samurai ambushing him. He ends up killing about a dozen of the clan members and it ends up being that region's famous fight. Good like when you think Lord. back, like 80 samurai, I think 80, sa- 80 cats chasing me would have me soiling my breeches, <laughs> you know, let alone like armed, trained warriors. I would have one of those moments where I pondered how I got here. Then soiled my breeches. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> why wait? You can do both <laughs> at once. All right, I guess you could, yeah. But anyhow, it's about this time that he hits the road again, winning challenge after challenge after challenge. And it's it's at this point in his life that he goes unbeaten in more than 60 duels. You know, I'm I'm noticing a um we're building a yearbook class list of Julie Dobney's. Mm-hmm. We are. We really are indeed. You know, between the Catalina de Orosos, the um, Cassius Clays. <laughs> I love them all so Honestly, much. <laughs> they're just a bunch of belligerent peeps. I just want to see them all at the same table for a second. It's going to look like detention at the worst reform school. <laughs> breakfast? Or what is the breakfast club, but worse? <laughs> yeah, the breakfast club with weapons. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Let's do it. So it's at this point, uh, it's about 1605. Words. 1605, Musashi meets a fame fighter, Musoganosuke. Musogonosuke. Sorry, I should say that right. Musogonosuke. Um, having met Musashi and defeated him for the first time in 1605, uh, in the province of Harima in Akashi, he, the latter is estimated. Okay, so Musashi realizes after the first fight that he the 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 traditional stick that he's got that's just under six feet that he uses in his battles it doesn't pick up suspicious or su- sufficient words doesn't pick up enough speed when going up against a katana. Okay. And apparently he doesn't want to fight with steel. Apparently this guy likes bringing sticks to knife fights. Well, you just beat the so, guy in the face. Just one. Right. I mean, honestly, the woodworks. <laughs> I don't know why that was hilarious, but I'll take it. Run with it. Yeah. So he ends up going to this this mountain nearby, uh, Mount Hunmin, and he starts reducing the length of his staff. So it it was one point or one meter, 1.8 meters long, and he ends up reducing it to 1.3. Okay. And it said through some mystical experiences, and he starts really learning how to handle this new staff. Basically, it could be a little bit of, you know, myst- mystical, religious coming to Jesus moments, but coming to Buddha, I suppose. Or it could just be, he was just a good fighter and understood what he needed to get done and then just sat time on a mountain carving a stick do what you got to do right uh, but he already knew 
a, a little bit of how to fight, you know, because he'd, he'd done some katana fighting at the monastery with his uncle. And then have you ever heard of the, the weapon called a naginata? Um, can you describe what it is to me? I so just... basically, you know, the bow, that really long staff, and then it, mm-hmm. there's like a, a long blade at the very end of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, that's that before I didn't know what it was called. Yeah. Um, so Musashi's been trained in both Katana and Naginata. So now he's got the shorter staff. And so now he's spending some time working with it, okay. having previously been trained on different weapons. So it's at this point that legend has it that he meets Muso Gonosuke again for a second time. And he's got the shorter staff that they've they've named a Joe for whatever reason, as opposed to a bow. Um, but as it's, even with it trimmed to a shorter length, it's still, because this guy's six feet tall, so he's got a decent reach on him. He's able to hit um, his opponent's weak spots in the armor right at the solar plexus. Mm. Gonosuke manages to defeat Musashi without causing him great harm. But Musashi is actually able to get quite a bit of, of, of hits in. Um, and it's because of this that Musashi is able to kind of invent a new technique, Jojutsu. Hmm. You know, Joe being the stick. Um, but either way, like he he's learning from his mistakes here. Which is interesting to me. So that's 1605. 1612. In April, Musashi meets another famous uh, fighter, Sasaki Kojiro of the Mori clan, who's renowned for his longsaber, the Odachi. Okay. Okay. So the duel scheduled for April 13th, and Musashi's approximately about, he's about 30. You know, mm-hmm. so you would assume that he's he's bringing it down a notch. He's I was just saying he's down. calmed down a bit. <laughs> That's what you would think. The departure for the boat for the duel is arranged at the hour of the dragon. So basically about 8 a.m., which I was like, "That's work starts at the hour of the dragon. Bit ominous, but glad we've got a name for it. <laughs> and they want to have it on a small local island. And officials have banned spectators because there's officials involved. However, the island fills with them anyhow because this is a big duel between and some we, thirty. We don't have upstart. Wi-Fi. Yeah, you know, like mom won't give us the password, and these guys are going to kill each other. So we're going. Yeah, this. It, yeah. Did you pack snack? Byob. <laughs> so they all show up, and the island is just packed. Now. Kojiro, he's like used to bringing his odachi. The sword is actually called the laundry drying pole because of its length. Okay. Like that's the nickname. I mean, basically suckers got to reach. Okay. It's also referred to as the, the three chocolate silver blade, but laundry drying pole I felt is, is the better nickname for us because we don't really use shaku as a measurement in our daily life. Oh, okay. I mean, look. as for me in my house (laughs) so using the sword kojiro he's known to be you know super good at what they called the swift two sword stroke the two stroke sword technique called subame gashi which bore the nickname oh oh, and he bears the nickname the demon of the western provinces 
Oh, I love him. Yeah. So this is the part of the anime or manga, however you choose to imbibe, um, <laughs> that you meet just this absolute badass. Yeah, I was thinking Rasa Ghoul from the Green Arrow. Honestly, also <laughs> from Batman. Um, in fact, also from Batman. So I, but basically, yeah, you, you're meeting somebody who has a fair amount of character development. Yeah, I like him. Okay, so Kojiro he arrives at the appropriate time. He's there, but then he's he's got to wait and wait and wait and wait because <laughs> Musashi's overslept. Oh, I missed the alarm. Yeah. Um, so Kojiro, he sends out servants to retrieve Musashi. Um, Musashi, like, gets up, eats a full breakfast, takes his time. <laughs> and then there's various, like, versions of the story, but they all amount to Musashi, like, really going slow as a sign of disrespect. Of course, I figured. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to saunter in late to the meeting, you might as well have a Starbucks in your hand. In fact, you're already late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at least show us why you're late. Or come up with the Starbucks as an additional factor to why you're late. Yeah. 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 Um, but kind of interestingly, he again, you know, he doesn't really he's not bringing swords with him to these fights, which is hilarious to me um, as he's on the boat going to the island historically he takes one of the ship's oars and then with his knife he starts making an improvised boken <laughs> and some accounts say this was possibly to wake himself up like he didn't just spend the last two hours leisurely coming to i would be like i want to see the perspective of the boatman who's like sir that's sir Sir, hey, I, I, uh, uh, I, I, we're going in circles now. Thanks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. So he's he's doing this, and upon his arrival, Kujino is a little irritated, and so he starts ripping into Musashi for his lateness, and dramatically threw his scabbard into the sea, as a sign that he would not stop, and that this was going to be a fight to the death. Except for you just threw your sword into the sea. No, just the scabbard. Just oh, the this was scabbard. Okay, okay. Just okay. the scabbard. Got it. Got it. Got yeah, it. he's he's got the sword in his hand. So it was like whooshing, and then he took the empty holder and went kacha into okay, the. Okay, in my mind, it was the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I will find you barehanded, you late son of a. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. I saw. So, Musashi he responds with a taunt of his own, saying that Kojiro clearly wasn't confident in himself if he thought he'd never get the chance to use that fine scabbard again. <laughs> no, well, okay. I mean, which it checks. I mean, it really does. He is just. But kind of, I love that kind of arrogance. <laughs> it, so it's it is very Cassius Clay. Absolutely. So they, they start circling each other. And Kojiro leaps toward Musashi with his trademark over the head strike. Like he is getting right now. Remember, this sucker is like, you know, a laundry 13 pole. feet long. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> it's going to take some time to really bring this down. And as, you know, like Musashi is also moving. So Musashi's headband falls off because it mm. gets sliced 
by Kojiro's sword, but somehow the headband is the only thing cut and there's no wound on Musashi. Uh, Musashi strike, mind you, he's fighting with a with a boat oar, um, strikes two or strikes true and cleaves Kojiro's skull. Damn. So that happened. All that, like he was really just taking his time, going to have breakfast. Yeah, he's like, look, I'm going to win. I don't need to rush it. Causes indigestion. <laughs> Why stress? Uh, Live in the moment, right? He went Live to your best life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, oh, Denny's Lord. was slammed, and but I wanted the the eggs over my hammy. <laughs> so I waited. <laughs> right. My favorite waitress was busy. Simmer. Okay. Chill. <laughs> So, I mean, but it was still just like, bro just keeps on winning in like the most bizarre get-ups you can get. So I still think it's hilarious that he probably stinks because he's not bathing. Yeah. Bring it all the way back around. Thank you for that because he was starting to become one of my uh, my my crushes, but then I right? remembered I can smell him a mile away. You can smell him a mile away. His haircut is a bit off because of the eczema scars, so... You gotta remember, he's tall and very striking. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but um yeah, he disfigured in smell. And he smells. And his I mean, he's not even cutting his hair. So he's out of fashion as well. Oh my god, out of fashion. I can't. Yeah, even. so out of fashion disheveled. So, you know, this is this is a neck beard with one heck of a sword skill. That's what we're playing with here. Okay. All right. So again, this is after age 30. He ends up getting welcomed as a military strategist and sword master by multiple clans. They're like, hey, bring your smelly butt over here. Train my <laughs> soldiers how to fight. Let's be buddies. Um, he's but weird well- enough, your hut is about six miles that way. <laughs> right. And strangely, always downwind. <laughs> weird. It's like we built it just for you. <laughs> So he ends up serving uh, as the Kuma, Kumamoto and the Hosokawa. And the a guest confirms that Musashi was the legendary swordsman of the time. So basically, like, everyone's like, yeah, he is he is the one to beat. Because um, he just, he just, I mean, when he was a kid, he took down the entire household of the Yoshioka, you know, like... He's a bit of a badass. I am the one you want on your team. Don't piss him off. It's okay that he smells weird. Yep. But in the 1630s, he he simmers down a bit and he starts writing. You know, he he, that's when he actually starts like he devotes himself entirely to we call it the study of the way. Okay. So if you're looking at any karate art, you know, or karate, I should say, you have like we we, it's all like Japanese arts. I'll say that. Um, it's based on the way or do. So like, if you hear like Jeet Kune Do, like that do, I mean, even though it's not Japanese, that's, you know, different language, but that do is supposed to be like the way of. Gotcha. Okay. And so sometimes you'll hear it mentioned after an art, but it either way, it's just like the way of that. Okay. So that is, that is kind of the fun thing. So he's, he's doing this, he's practicing his calligraphy which apparently he excels at, 
he oh. also ends up like starting to really form his books, which I'm going to get into in a little bit. Um, he ends up becoming what is called a saber saint. The Japanese word for it is a kinsei. Okay. And basically it just means like, I, cause I was just, my brain applied Catholic. That was exactly what I to did it, too. Right. But saber saint in this just means badass with a sword. Oh, ex- okay. okay. So it is just like literally super good. He is kensei. He is like the master dude. chef, but not of pastry. Not Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Got it. Just, you know, be careful of anything in his hands because you, you, you're like, you're going to die. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that, that's what sword, sword or saber saint meant. Um, so in 1637, he returns to the former service or the service of his former adversaries, the Tokugawa, and he fights for them against the Christian rebels of the Shimabara. (gasps) And that was one of those things like Christian rebels. And I didn't like look into it. And I really tried to summer, like I really summoned the emperor from me, but I don't know if I really got it. Okay. You did. Okay. <laughs> I was just seconds before you said that my, my thought was like, oh my God, this is like Star Wars. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well then. Okay. So he goes up against the Christian rebels um, and he's seen in charge of the command of the reserve corps by basically some lord at Hara Castle in 1638. Like, I'm trying to, like, strip more names out so you're not, like, getting stuck with a bunch of names that are only mentioned in a paragraph. Um, This time, he ends up adopting two kids. Okay, right. We've got everything else. honestly, like, you're a saber saint. You've already destroyed half of the top leaders of the clan. You're starting to train your own. Now's the time to, you know, become a dad. You spent your time thinning the herd. Now you've got to start filling the pews. So when you die, you've got people to come to your service. Mandalorian. Yeah, this pretty much. This is the way. Okay. So he ends up adopting these two kids. Uh, one of the kids ends up committing seppuku later on. Mm. Um, but he ends up becoming an instructor of the Hosokawa family at Kumamoto. And in 1643, he retires to a cave, to a literal cave. I'm not surprised. It's probably because of the smell, (laughs) because he's still not bathing. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Not even a little bit. He's in his, what, 60s now? And it's just, well, late 50s. And, you know, just, just a smelly bro. Um, so he retires to the cave and it's there that he starts writing like one time in some translations, it's called the five wheels or treatise on the five wheels. Sometimes it's called the five rings, but it it ends up becoming a classic in martial arts literature. And it really just breaks down. If you're studying swords, you do this. If you're studying war, you do this. If you're studying like, and it's really just how to, how to think through things. It's not autobiographical. It's. It's very like a manual. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it is. How to how to think about things. Um, so he dies in this cave June 13th, 1645. And the 
Hyosho Sensi Denki describes his passing. At the moment of his death, he had himself raised up. He had his belt tightened and his wakizashi put in it. He seated himself with one knee vertically raised, holding a sword in his left hand and a cane in his right hand. He died in this posture at the age of 62. The principal vassals of Lord Hosokawa and other officers gathered, and they painstakingly carried out the ceremony. Then they set up a tomb on Mount Iwato. His cave is in Mount Iwato on the order of the Lord. Like you're on your way out, you know, you're dying and you get yourself into a fight position. And in one hand, pain in the other. And that is the position you, you go to meet your maker. I'm here for it. I, I mean, want to know about the ceremony. Yeah, I mean, I f- like honestly that that's all the information I had on it. Um, that's they really be- cool. They believe he died of thoracic cancer. Ugh. But he, di- you know, other accounts say he died peacefully after finishing the text that translates to the way of walking alone or the way of self reliance which are 21 precepts on self-discipline to guide future generations. Wow. Which kind of badass. Yeah. And then in accordance to his will, he ends up getting buried in his armor. As he should. Right? Yeah. That's his armor. I know, I know that that is not typical of this type of culture, but, um, I too would want to go out in my armor. I mean, honestly, I don't think anybody else wanted it because he'd been wearing it for 50 <laughs> years without bathing. That's true. I mean, I think it's imbued with his more than his spirit. It's also his stench. <laughs> yeah. But that is the story of uh, Miyamoto Musashi. You know, I just firmly believe that there is not a single samurai that does not have just a completely wild story I'm, yeah, you're, yeah maybe may, there's got to be like some backwaters lord who is like I just sit in my post it's what I do I've been here for about <laughs> my daddy was years. here his daddy was here and his grandpappy was here and we just sat here and we just made sure nobody crossed that wall Nobody, nobody made it over. Nobody walked through our woods. These are our woods. We ain't seen nobody in 356 years except that one time that vacuum man came to buy some, sell something. Right. But he saw our sister wives and he took off because <laughs> we we ain't got time for that. Gross. <laughs> I love it. That was delightful. Yeah. And smelly smellier you know but it was just like it's like i the first reference i caught to him not bathing i was like i'm gonna just brush that under the rug and then there was another source it was like no really he didn't bathe and i was like that's two and then kept going and it was like well maybe he didn't bathe because he didn't want to be caught unarmed and i was like okay now we're justifying it 
they too read the other sources and were like, no, 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 there has to be a reason. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I was like, okay, there's gotta be some, you know, you, you make a friend who can watch your back for a couple minutes while you scrub the layers of gross off. And you got to think like the Japanese didn't like the missionaries. And one of their complaints about the missionaries is the missionaries weren't bathing. Yeah, I, I have a hard time like picturing not bathing for these people. Yeah, like that is we weird. were the filthy, dirty heathens. That is weird. And they were just like, you got to get the gross off. At the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta wash your face. In your ears. You gotta get your butsies. <laughs> and that's what it's gonna be called from never for the rest of forever. So thanks for that. The butsies? The butsies. Well, that's, okay, so that's what we used it at our house with kiddo because, you know, like, she wasn't gonna be allowed to say butt in kindergarten. You know, because the teacher, oh, that's a dirty, that's a potty word. But I was like, okay, but I'm not going to tell her to call it her ass or her anus. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I've got other options, but I need to tell her to wipe her ass. Gotta wipe your buttsy. That works. And she could say that at school without, you know, hey, I need help wiping my buttsy or whatever it is. She could wipe her buttsy by the time she went to school, but... You yeah, know, I like know we, we needed to make sure that she had appropriate language that wouldn't wouldn't set teachers off. Yeah. Weird. Considering I say enough problematic things that she's likely going to repeat at school, we we had to we had to come up with safeguards <laughs> where we could. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I realized right as Ethan was entering kindergarten that I had to stop calling Ian a sorcerer slash wizard. At least for a time, because I did not want to receive that phone call from the from the teacher. Um, your son goes around and says that his dad's a wizard, uh, and he partakes in sorcery, and that I'm gonna have to be on the other side, being like, "Yeah, okay, listen, he can change the channel on the TV from his iPad in the bathroom." I just, <laughs> I don't, don't have this conversation, you know? Right. I mean. That seems a lot less problematic than, you know, half of the things I would say, <laughs> which just seemed like I was, it was, I was just saying it because I was drunk or on a bet. What are you going to do? Honestly. Goodness. But either way, that's that. And I know you're not going to tell us a story this week because you got overloaded with life, but there is the probability that next week you will have a delightful browsing tale. I, I, uh, if the tale that I wish to tell in my head is very delightful, this time, <laughs> and there's no, there's no um, Beauty and the Beast, and a good portion of this happened in our lifetime. Is it going to be a retelling of Sergei Ponomarenko? <laughs> no, but you know what? Ugh. I was. What was I doing? Okay, so at work, I have two monitors. And yeah. the second monitor is like, is kind of stri strictly what I use for um, putting the images where I need to put them before I move them over into their program. Mm -hmm. So they and, go on the website. Right. 
And um, so often that monitor is just got like whatever the basic website, like whatever the homepage is, which sure. is like uh, a, uh, Bing News or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it is. But anyway, the other day I opened it up, went back to what I was doing and looked back over and out of the corner of my eye, I see the identification card. <laughs> and I'm like, no freaking way. And the headline says something like, um, Ukrainian oh time traveler. It was, it was like, well, I want to say they, they called him a Russian time traveler, but whatever it was, but, it, but the basic I mean, just was like USSR. So little column A. Well, you're right. Like this event happened and we finally have an answer. And I was like, is there more? Excuse me. And did my sorry butt read that entire article? Yes, she did. And no. And was there more? Did no, I cover it all? You covered it all. But I was hoping that we were going to get like new news. Like we just discovered like last week news, you know. And it was so a mad. new article par- published in March. <laughs> Probably. I didn't even look at the date. But it was like they basically retold your story and included the idea like they really went heavy on the um speculation idea that someone had to be onto him sooner than they thought because why would you have these this camera from the 50s except for this author was totally thrown off by the fact that the woman cro- quote corroborated, corroborated. His story yeah because going with they're all paid actors on and not credible television source wasn't the clearest tip off. Like that... I tried to pepper in enough of those small little details. Oh, you did so good. To where you'd be like, oh, I should have seen that. I should have seen that. Valentina did me dirty. She totally did me dirty. <laughs> but you can't be mad at someone named Valentina because they probably know how to kill you 14 different ways. Even if it's just heartbreak and bad tea. Exactly. You know, not something I want to be, I want to be seeing my into. Okay. In that that way. Well, on that note, if you've caught up with our entire catalog and you're thinking, you know what I want to do to reward these incredible women that I so graciously have spent an hour listening to today, I'm going to give them a review on the podcast channel of my choice we we prefer five stars those are beautiful um you know but you give us what you want because really beggars can't be choosers it's really where (laughs) we're at so you know rate review subscribe and on that note goodbye bye